Welcome back to the program. Julian King with you on Summer Mornings, 0457 736 736. We'll get back to your weapons of choice in a moment, but Unite Round gets underway tonight in the A-League and the A-League W. We've seen how successful these initiatives are. We had the Magic Round in the NRL, the Gather Round in the AFL, and now it is a chance for Sydney Siders to come and watch the best football action in the country. Shay Holman, a rising star for Sydney FC. They take on Western United Allianz Stadium Sunday in a grand final replay. Should be a beauty. I'm pleased to say she's on the line right now. Morning, Shay. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for sparing some time this morning. I chatted to Grace Gill from Paramount the other day. Uh, do you love this initiative? I think it's fantastic, and I'm glad to see so many codes taken on board. You know, And, and in particular, too, when it comes to the A-League, uh, you get so much action packed in to one ticket. We'll see various venues, Combank Stadium, Allianz Stadium, and Leichhardt, otherwise known as the eighth wonder of the world. But some double-headers scheduled. Good opportunity for Sydney Siders to get out there. 100%. I think it's a great initiative, like, for young families and fans as well. There's lots of activities and meet and greets as well as obviously the games and a very nice stadium. So it's a perfect day out with heaps of games to see. I need to ask you this. How I love this. I love the topic of siblings and sport. You're one of three, Shay, currently playing the A-Leagues competitions. You've got your brother, Jake, yeah. plays in MacArthur. Corey contracted to Sydney FC. Just just tell us what it was like growing up, the backyards, kicking a ball around the hallways, breaking stuff, you know, the parents getting upset. Just, just paint a picture for us. Yeah, I mean, it's very rare to have all three of us playing in the A-League, but when we were younger, we would always just go in the backyard. I would say we'd get very aggressive and competitive. I think that's sort of in my game now and then especially during COVID time when none of us could go into training we'd all just go up to the local oval and kick a ball together so it actually worked out really well <laughs> who, who puts a hand up so you know who, who's the best player out of the three of you <laughs> I think you can say yourself we don't, we don't have that debate oh well I'm just going to say you Shay is that okay <laughs> thank you I appreciate it uh, no problem. Just tell us about Sydney FC's form at the moment. You're currently sitting fifth. You've got four wins, four draws, two losses. A concern, though, I guess, if you can call it that, you know, one win and four draws in your last five matches. Just just struggling to find the back of the net at the moment. Yeah, we've obviously gone six games in a row now unbeaten, which is obviously credit to our defence. But obviously we're wanting to score some goals and finish our chances because um, that's obviously what makes you win matches. But I'm sure it'll come with time. We're training well. Um, so we just want that to translate into the games. So I guess, you know, I'm a glasses half full kind of person. You held nil-nil with the Mariners on the weekend. That's your second draw in succession. We talked about, uh, you know, the, the number of draws that you had. But having said that, under Ante Juric, I mean, you're also unbeaten in your last six games. So is that sort of how you're looking at it? So, OK, well, at least we're not losing? Yeah, Ante's keeping us all very positive and he's, um, making sure we're doing the right things in trainings and video sessions so that we can try and begin winning. Um, but, yeah, at the moment, still very positive, like six games unbeaten. Very good for our defence, and we're dominating games. We just need to make sure we finish our chances. Well, that's the thing. You've only conceded two goals of your own, haven't you? Your defence has really yeah. bounced back since, since Nat Tobin went down with that injury. Speaking of injuries, I mean, you know, Fiona Watts, Shea Cotters, Courtney Vida, how do you account for those losses? Yeah, there's a big list of injuries in our team at the moment and it's devastating for all the girls that are out. Um, but people have taken the opportunity to come in and 
proved themselves and I think they've done really well. But yeah, we are missing a lot of players from injury and we'll be very happy when they return. So let's cast our mind to Sunday. Let's look forward to Sunday. You take on Western United. You're going to lock horns for the first time since last season's grand final. And I've got to say too, my, my son went to the grand final at Combank Stadium last year. And I've told this story a few times, but as it turns out, Shay, so Sarah Hunter is his grandmother's cousin's daughter. So he's sort of got a, yeah. a, a blood relation to Sarah Hunter. So he was there by and now nine-year-old son, and they all sat in the crowd with these sort of Sarah Hunter masks. And I know she's doing great <laughs> things over in France at the moment. And sometimes when I'm in his bedroom, I like, and these bloody masks just keep staring at me. Doesn't matter where you are in the bedroom. I get for, so there you go. But that's by the by. But uh, you had the win over Western United. You're going to lock horns with them as we mentioned for the first time since last season's grand final. Only one point separates you on the ladder. You're in fifth. They're in third after eleven rounds. Um, still got a game in hand on your opponents, but. What are you anticipating from Western United on Sunday? Yeah, I think it's going to be a very big game for both teams. Obviously, a grand final remake, so that both teams will come out with a point to prove. Um, they're a very physical opponents as well, so we're expecting that. But I think if we stick to the game plan, hopefully we can get the three points. What about Chloe Legazzo? How do you shut her down? Just like any other player, hopefully. Like we know she's a good player, so <laughs> don't don't dive in on her, don't give her space. Yeah, yeah, she's been in red hot form, hasn't she? And that's a good thing. You see a lot of these names that sort of familiar in the Matilda set up and doing great things in the Liberty A League. Best of luck. It is Unite Round, West United, Sydney FC. Uh, they do battle on Sunday, five o'clock Eastern time at Allianz Stadium. Jay Holman, all the best. Thank you for your time on the program this morning. Thank you very much. Have a good day. My pleasure. There she is, Shay Holman from Sydney FC. And so the top four for Sydney FC, they progressed through the finals. So they're in a pretty good spot at the moment. But it is Unite Round. They play third place West United, Allianz Stadium. And that is on Monday night. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Morning, Jules. Is Johnny Millman still a chance to get into the draw as a lucky loser? No, he's not. He's done. Thank you, Mr. Quintessential. Uh, did you just put the kiss of death? On Ben Hunt. I hope not, Rooster Man. Why, because I mentioned his name? Is that why I put the kiss of death on Ben Hunt? Now you got me thinking about it, Rooster Man. I really, really wish you hadn't done that. I really wish you hadn't done that. Talking weapons of choice on the program today. It was great to catch up with Shay Holwood. But what about that? You know, just competitive tensions in the family. Going up to the park with your brothers... Both very good footballers in their own right. And we catch up with Shay. Thanks to MEGT, the proud number one ticket holder, supporting female tradies and their employees. Visit megt.com.au, megt.com.au. Rob says, the best tennis racket I have used known was the Michael Chang Prince Longbody. One inch longer than standard racket with a stability bar in the middle of the throat. The stability bar in the middle of the throat. Well, the Changi needed that, didn't he? Rejag that. Was it the French Open, Michael Chang? But he's only a little man. That's why he had to have the longer racket. Agassi, I don't think. Did he have that? He had a quite a big head on his racket too. But I love that all these little technical aspects to a tennis racket that make you think they're really fancy. So you've got the stability bar in the middle. So the old the old um, Wilson Pro staff that we had, you read the little little bumps on the side, the PWS, it was called the Perimeter Weighting System. I thought, that looks pretty fancy. I need one of those rackets. But that old Edberg one, that was a beautiful... Beautiful racket. And Sampras used the same as well. And then later on, Federer used one as well. 
the best racket going around, I reckon. But thank you for clarifying, too, that the Pro Kinex became the Babolat. Weapons of choice. For me, the Wilson Pro Staff and the Duncan Fernley Magnum. 0457 736 736. Just a quick one before the break. Daz Dragon, Grey Nichols Tusker. I think you got it mixed up there, Daz. Tusker was the Simmons. Always felt great for me to bat with once you got used to how heavy it was, of course. Keep them coming in. Great nominations on the text line today, 0457 736 736. Jules in the chair, is he in summer mornings. Hey, your weapon of choice, Charles. Cricket bat, go. Yeah, uh, the Duncan Fernley Supreme. My dad's old cricket bat that he uh, that he played with, and he scored quite a few tons playing for for Knox Grammar here in Sydney. Mm. Um, he handed it down to me. We had it refurbished, and um, Knox and Grammar, yeah. eh? Knox no. Grammar. Oh, Matty Nicholson territory. Mm. It's proud Knox Grammarian, Matt and Nicholson. And if I was to get a tattoo as well, it would be of that cricket bat just on my arm of the Duncan Fernley Supreme. Oh, speaking of which, did you see Adam Zampa's tattoo? I did, of yes. Some kind of strange bald-headed dude holding aloft the, the T20 um, crowd uh, trophy and the, uh, the the World Cup. The bald-headed dude is Larry David of Curb Your Enthusiasm and, I did and not Seinfeld pick that up. fame as well. Fascinating. Yeah. He's a different cat, isn't he, Adam Yeah, Zampa. he's made from a different so, cloth. So the Duncan Fernley Supreme. So yep. you like your Duncan Fernley bats and your pizzas the same. Supreme. Okay, beautiful. Thank you, Chuck. You established that you're um, very efficient when it comes out to hanging your socks and your peg each one, but you can only couldn't be asked putting more than one peg on a shirt. Fascinating. Domesticated Chuck, does that mean you don't poop on the rug anymore? I think that's exactly what it means, Pearl. That is exactly what you mean. Did you ever grow up in Australia in the eighties this part? If you never grabbed an old bat and cut the shoulders off near eight woodwork. No, I didn't do that. I have made mini bats though in woodwork. So basically what we did, Spartan Woodwork, we made Two things. I remember the pencil case that had the slide-out lid. Probably would have made that. And the other one we did in, we call it technics at school. The woodwork class was, you get a block of wood and you sort of solder in, like you burn through, what, nine holes and make a game of noughts and crosses. They call it tic-tac-toe, but noughts and crosses. And then you get the spare bit of wood and you try and fashion out a cricket bat, like a mini cricket bat. And then you'd play like corridor cricket on your knees and you know, scrunch that bit of paper and just peg it. But you definitely shave the shoulders off that one. 0457 736 736. The Australian Open draw has been released. Some fascinating matchups. And a man who was watching it closely is Brett Phillips. He's on the line right now. Morning, BP. Morning, uh, Jules. How are you doing? Going very well. We're talking about weapons of, of choice today. Have you spotted any Emmerich rackets around lately? I know Wally, used to, Wally Masur, I think, used to use one back in the day. But I don't know of anyone that uses an Emmerich racket anymore. No, no, I haven't said it at all, uh, Jules. But I've jotted it down. I'm on the hunt. Uh, please do. And, and and Rob suggested that because I was I remember at the old tennis camps I used to attend. Uh, they were sponsored by Pro Kenix. Again, I only ever saw Australian players use them, but he suggested that Pro Kenix is is now the Babolat racket. Perhaps they took them over, which I think Rafa uses. But but I love this sort of chat. And for me, I was a Wilson Pro Staff guy back in the day. Because I idolised Stefan Edberg, Brett Phillips. Those were the days. The perimeter waiting system, the black with the red and the yellow stripes. Gorgeous. You're like me. You love going down memory lane, Jules. Oh. I love that. love having a chat to you because you bring up names that just, I close my eyes and I just think of, you know, Stefan Edberg, just that grey set on court and hmm. serve volley. And, oh, it's just beautiful to watch. It was. You can get the seven slams without a modicum of a forehand too, Stefan. Okay, tough first round encounter, isn't it, for, for Alex Demonor? He takes on the former Wimbledon finalist in Milos Raonic. 
Yeah, he's about to have a hit, Milosh, at Kuyong. Uh, so he was added in late to the schedule, uh, going to play Dominic Team in, uh, what, just under an hour. So going to take a look at that just to see um, sort of what Nick he's in. He's using his protected ranking. I mean, for those that follow tennis, you know, know his credentials, Wimbledon finalist, former world number three, won a stack of titles. He was on a real purple patch before his body uh, pretty much broke down uh, for the best part of three or four years. He's had no continuity in his tennis and, and struggled to get back to that level, but uh, still has a desire to play. And, you know, courtesy of those injuries, can use a protected ranking, which has got him into the main draw. So, yeah, I'm not sure what sort of Nicky's going to be in. I mean, when I first sort of saw the balls drop, I thought, oh, geez, I would have liked maybe a, an easy one, because when you think of Milos at his best, you know, big serve, big forehand, a lot of presence in the court. But, you know, these are the sort of players that Demon or Revels in playing too. Uh, the, the bigger guys who, you know, can outmuscle him. He just backs in his anticipation. You know, he's returning. Uh, he's quick feet to get around and make the grand battle uh, just, you know, one hell of a fight. So, you know, sometimes guys like that can just serve the lights out. And it's just too good. Um, but, you know, getting as many returns into play is key uh, to get those breaks to serve and, yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see how he pans out. That's one hurdle, but we we couldn't help sort of start to look ahead, Jules, yesterday, and you know probably Matteo Arnaldi in the second round, really good Italian who's jumped about 90 spots in the last 12 months, who you know beat Popper at the Davis Cup, which really set up Italy to win. You know, he's a competitor. Nicholas Jerry, possibly in the third round, who went out in Adelaide yesterday, and Demon or beat Jerry at the US Open in about the third round of uh, last year. Another guy who serves big. I mean, he's top 20, Jerry. He's a big guy. Uh, obviously, you know, had a lot of clay court success. Uh, Rublev, possible fourth round. We know he's the fifth seed, Andre. Uh, what is it, eight quarterfinals? Nine, I think he's made now. Mm. He can't get past that stage. You know, Yannick Sinner, maybe a quarter. Djokovic in the same half of the draw. Semi Alcaraz final. That's you know, dreaming big that Alex can have a really uh, deep <laughs> run. But there's no easy assignments in there, and you wouldn't expect anything less with the depth in the men's game right now. Yeah, just having a look at some of the other matchups for the Australian men. You know, it's it's interesting. People go, oh, I don't like it when two Aussies play each other because it means one's got to lose. But on the flip side, there, BP, it means one will certainly advance to the second round. We've got Popper and Pullman's and Thompson and Vukic. Yeah, so the winner of Popperin's. Uh, Popper and Polman's uh, more than likely. Uh, well, let's say 99.9% are going to play Djokovic because he has got a qualifier slated in next to him, which will be confirmed uh, later on uh, today. Could be another Aussie, who knows? Uh, but Alexi certainly will be uh, the favourite there, and then that's a tough assignment to run into it, the king of Melbourne mm. Park. Yeah, Vukic and Thompson, uh, both a little battle-weary, I've got to say, uh, Jules. Uh, Tomo not pulling up so well with that little quad issue in Adelaide. Vukic is flying back from New Zealand where he went out first round uh, just with a little injury concern. So that'll be uh, fascinating to um, watch those two go about it. I'm sure they've probably been into Craig Tiley's office and said, hey, leave us till Tuesday. You know, first round spread across uh, three days. And uh, the other matchups that jump off the page, I mean, Kokonakis, you know, we just hope he can win a couple of rounds and really get himself into the tournament and get that crowd behind him. Sebastian Offner, they're extremely winnable. And, uh, you know, Ricky Hedgicata's got Jan Leonard Struff, who on his day is uh, mm. dangerous. Uh, you know, the guy can certainly uh, play lights out tennis the way he strikes the ball, but, you know, Ricky's certainly not without a chance. And, you know, Max Purcell awaiting a qualifier. Um, and young James McCabe, a lot of people wouldn't know too much about. He's from your neck of the woods, wild card. 
big lump of a lad. He's about 270 in the world, but he's coming. Uh, takes on Alex Mickelson, who's following in the footsteps of Ben Shelton, the American, who went from, what, 500-odd to 100 to 20 very quickly. This guy is sort of following the same path, uh, having played a lot of college tennis over in the US. So, yeah, mixed bag for the Aussies, certainly on the men's side. Just having a look at the women's side, gee, some tough ones too. Gadecki gets Sloane Stevens. Where's Sloane yep. Stevens at the moment in terms of her game? Just quickly, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> Abundantly talented, as you know. you know. Yeah, she's been through a lot of different coaches. I mean, she's a beautiful timer of the ball. It's sort of that effortless power. She's never, you know, absolutely going uh, full tilt. I mean, some just look like they're doing it easier, and Sloane is uh, one of those. And I've always thought across the journey, the bigger the tournament, the better she performs. I mean, she won a US Open final of the French. You know, she won Miami going back a few years ago. And she just struggled with the sort of week-to-week tour, you know, events at that 250 level. So the ranking has dipped down to about 60-odd. But, you know, we know she's certainly dangerous she's in the draw, that. but she yeah. can have those you know, concentration uh, lapses during matches. So, yeah, Kadecki, um, it's a big opportunity, certainly, uh, to maybe get uh, a scalp. Uh, Svitolina uh, is Taylor Preston's opponent. We know Taylor's up and coming. She's our best pro- prospect from the young female's point of view. But Svitolina's made an outstanding return as a mum in the last uh, 12 months, you know, getting back inside the top 20. How about this one, Jules? Now, Yelena Ostapenko uh, mm. plays our very own Kimberly Beryl. Isla Tomjanovic plays Petra Matic. Now, Tomjanovic and Ostapenko get through to the second round. Do you remember their Wimbledon dust-up back in uh, 2021? Yes. It was on court yeah. 18. And Yelena went off That's for what right. seemed like a half an hour toilet break and apparently, yeah. allegedly, got a bit of physio. And that really got up the goat of Isla. And when they came to shake hands at the end, uh, the microphones picked it up beautifully. <laughs> it was on. It was on yes. for young and old. So yes. I want Kim Beryl to have a good tournament. Yeah. But I sort of want a bit of Ostapenko, Tom Yenovich. Uh, there's the broadcaster in you. You're looking at the fireworks. You're casting your mind forward to the to the fireworks. Just quickly, I know you've got uh, plenty on today, BP. Uh, the 2024 projected quarterfinals by seeding would match up as follow: Djokovic or Djokovic, Tsitsipas, Sinner, Rublev, Medvedev, Runa, and Alcaraz, Verev. That that's pretty decent. But let's hoping we can see one Demonor in there as well. Uh, no doubt. Uh, a little concern around Tsitsipas. Uh, he was part of Novak and Friends uh, last night on Rod Laver Arena, and the back is a bit of an issue. It was at the United Cup, and he was a little ginger last night. I think he was, obviously, you know, he was paid to be there, and he was they only had to play one set, so he got through it. But that's it, a little watch at the moment with Tsitsipas, having made the final last year just with that back in the uh, early part of the year. Mm. And just, sorry, uh, BP, just one more thing on the women's very quick. Some really big names too, early matchups. So we've got Osaka meeting Carolyn Garcia, the 16th seed. Shuantek faces the 2020 winner, Sophia Kennan. And then you've got mm. Lena Rabakata to do battle with Karolina Pliskova. And then further to that, the Ooh. 2018 champion, Wozniacki, has drawn last year's semi-finalist, uh, Magda Lynette. Yeah, there's some mouth-watering matchups on both sides. And you look at Danielle Collins, who made the final against Barty playing, yeah, Angie Kerber. And yeah, Rebacken is an interesting one. I, I fancy her for the title, no doubt. She went, went out in Adelaide last night, but that's not a disaster. One Brisbane, you know, she's had uh, a tough back end of last year, but, you know, beautiful player to watch. And Pliskova, on her day, if she gets going, uh, the check uh, with her credentials of the past, uh, that is not... 
an ideal first round, I would have thought. But yeah, there's good matchups uh, everywhere, right across uh, the draw. So we're set for a bumper Sunday. The schedule will come out for day one a little bit later on today. And of course, seven Australians still in qualifying, about to, well, we've just taken to court a couple of them early. Um, so fingers crossed we can get a few more through. Always good to get your thoughts. Thank you, BP. Enjoy the tennis. We'll speak soon. Thank you, Jules. What's up? There he is, Brett Phillips from the First Serve and from the Nine Networks. Some mouthwatering clashes, but yes, Tom Lanovich, Ostapenko. That'd be pretty juicy for round two, wouldn't it? 0457 736 736. And he's on the hunt now too, Brett Phillips. So I've given him an assignment, not that he's not busy enough, to try and find a current player that uses an Emmerich racket. I can't think of anyone that currently uses an Emmerich racket. You know what we should do? I'll get Charles on this because he's not doing much. To just go to the Emmerich website and see if there's a picture of a pro on there. That might be a good starting point. Western Sydney Eagle. My dad went down to Grace Brothers. Oh, Grace Brothers. To get me a Duncan Fernley bat, came home with a massive home high five. My mum nearly divorced him. <laughs> I did eventually get my dream Duncan Fernley bat, though. <laughs> it's like the magic beans right there. What are you coming home with magic beans for? Came home with a hi-fi. Wow. But you got it. Did you score any runs with it, though, Western Eagle? That's the other thing. You talk about your favourite bat as a kid, but I want to hear why it was your favourite bat. Did you get 50s or 100s? Tell me about that. Don't just say, I love this bat. Tell me how it served you well. 0457 736 736. Breaking back with more. You're on Summer Mornings. We're going to catch up with Laurie Horace from ESPN shortly on the program to break down the news about Bill Belichick. I guess the first question is, well, where will the master coach end up next? He's too good not to be somewhere, but it brings to a close his 24-year partnership with the New England Patriots, including six Super Bowl champions. As are. They're all rolling through Michael McDonald. Morning, Jules, says Lakemba Dragon. Regarding the Dragons' halves, how many quality halves are going around and available? Any in the Super League? What's Brody Cross status in England? They're all committed. That's a thing. Lakemba Dragon. Remember they shouted out Jack Wellsby? Said, no, no, I'm going to stick around. So you're right. There's not a lot around, but it's a, it's a question of depth. That's a thing. And depth is something that the Bulldogs have. I know Bondi Jack, he said, for our audience, I've warned you time again, Toby Sexton is a part player. Hutchie, Drew Hutchison will wear the Dogs number seven with a plum. He may well. He may well, but I reckon the Dragons are looking at the depth that they have in the halves. You think about Drew Hutchison, Toby Sexton. Burton Crichton could play 5-8 at a pinch. Jamin Salmon as well. And go far out. Wouldn't we like to bolster our halves depth right now? But it is what it is. They committed to that club. We've got our player roster, and we should back it in. I reckon the figures for Las Vegas and TV will be massive, as will the support shown on Fox. You sound like you're in the jungle today, Jules. So that was a bit early. Yeah, it just sort of opened up. The heavens opened up, but it's um, nothing but blue skies, as Willie Nelson sang from now on. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number. Let's talk all things NFL with our great mate Laurie Horesh from ESPN. He's on the line right now. Morning, Laurie. Morning. Great to be back on with you. Listen, weapon of choice. I know you mm. love your cricket. Uh, what was your, mm. your choice of blade back in the day growing up? I didn't get my first English willow till around 12 or 13 when mm. uh, my school, which was not known as a sporting institution, and uh, your producer Charles Goodsir can confirm that, <laughs> um, we entered a cricket team in the Trans Harbour Comp and I got my hands on a, a Puma, a Puma Millichamp. I can't remember. I don't yep, know if that's yep. the, yeah, the Michael Bevan one. Really yep. Yeah, Gilly used to rock it. had the red and the green colouring, the little gold trim, and uh, it had a gorgeous tan on it. Unbelievable. Once the oil was done, it, it really did have quite the sheen. Um, but I will say, um, 
and those who played any junior cricket with me when I was running around for a few years for the Galloping Greens, um, definitely more damage with the Red King than with a bat at any point in my career. <laughs> hey, were you one of those that would just sand the edges so it looked like you middled everything? You know, go, how many cherries did you get in your bat? It's all red and you didn't want to show off any nicks, so you just sand off the edges to look like you didn't edge any of them. I couldn't have pulled that off if I tried with the way the rest of my teammates, particularly when I was playing a little bit of junior club cricket, saw me bat. I was happily down the order and I would take the first, the fresh red king for a little left arm. Um, early days around the wicket, because you could really swing that thing at 142 grams and eventually over the wicket like a, like a good grown-up. But um, no, I was happily down the, down the, down the order, not trying to claim any, any runs that, um, that weren't and off the middle, which were few and far between. Um, and actually, yeah, once, once may have been involved with uh, our head coach was out and uh, one of the other bowlers' dads uh, took over for the day and uh, tried to take the Red King out of my hand, the fresh one, and give it to his son to take the first no. four innings. Uh, no. I asked my dad if he could politely duck up to Mackins to get some uh, sausage and egg and I could bribe the other kid with, to ensure that I stayed uh, with that first ball of the innings. And did it work? It did, absolutely. And I oh, there you go. Okay. No, no regrets. No regrets. So a happy ending. Yes, the 142 gram, the Red King. That was a beautiful rock. All right, let's talk NFL. You know, we've seen Pete Carroll. We've seen Nick Saban. You know, big-name coaches moving on. And now, of course, the biggest of the ball, probably Bill Belichick, 24 years with the Pats, six Super Bowl rings. So I guess the obvious question here, Laurie, likely destination for Bill Belichick? Oof. I think right off the bat, I think it's clear and from reporting from, from Adam Schefter and some of the other ESPN reporters that he does want to continue coaching. You wonder if a team like Washington Commanders, um, who has a new ownership and it's a, it's a brave new age for them, would, would look in there. Um, and, and, and pursue that. The Atlanta Falcons seemingly have been linked early, which is interesting, um, considering the kind of legacy, perhaps not considered one of the legacy franchises, one of these huge names. And as much turmoil as the Washington franchise has been over you know, the past two decades, prior to that, there's Super Bowl victories, there's iconic teams, there's iconic Hall of Famers. So um, those two names are interesting, and the one that's going to get thrown around. Um, and it really does depend on what goes on over the next week or two, I would say, with Dallas. If Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys are knocked out by any team not named the San Francisco 49ers, there's going to be questions about, um, about mm. his job, unless they make the Super Bowl. But if they get knocked oh, yeah. out the first two weeks of the season, there will be questions. Yes, he's had you know 12 win seasons, three seasons in a row now in a regular, regular season campaign. But uh, he was brought in to take the next step, and if that next step is not is not had, particularly if they're playing on home turf, which they would be this week and they would be next week, where they have been eight no this season and sixteen game winning record. If that was to happen, upset was to happen, uh, particularly one that perhaps carried some some embarrassment the scoreline, it wasn't an easy excuse or an easy escape route there. Um, perhaps uh, Mike McCarthy's job job will be in question, and we do know that. Jerry Jones and Phil Belichick have expressed an affinity and respect for each other. So that is one that is already getting circulated around. And hey, let's be honest, whenever there's uh, NFL content around, Dallas Cowboys, Bill Belichick, Jerry Jones in the same sentence, you're probably going to get some eyeballs. Yeah. Okay, just very quickly, what about Pete Carroll, potential destinations? Less clear. The energy from him coming out of his comments definitely seemed like he'd like to coach again, despite being 72 years old. He certainly has the energy for it. Um, this is someone who, who rocks up with the youth of a man decades younger than, than his build age. Um, for now, he is within the organisation and advisory role, but I wouldn't. Uh, that one's a little less clear, but 
the band is so it's a very different style of coach um, to Bill Belichick, but his connection with players has carried him in such high esteem uh, that I do think it may not, that feels like it might be a, a slower burn in terms of finding out that perhaps as the year off. I don't know if he's already 72, but maybe he takes the time back. Maybe he does take on that advisory role for a period uh, with with Seattle and then looks to get back into it. But it's it's tough with these these three men that you mentioned, 71, 72 years um, of age, each of them. Mm. Um, and yet with someone like Pete Carroll, you're forgiving for thinking he's not 50 the way he carries himself, the way he take care, takes care of himself, the passion and the fun that he still speaks with. Um, you definitely think this isn't the end of the coaching work for Pete Carroll. Now, just on the Patriots... Laurie, uh, look, they need a QB, don't they? They've got third pick, I think, in the draft. There's probably a couple of standout QBs. Chicago got first pick. Potentially, you know, can they move on Justin Fields? And would the Patriots potentially look at somebody like that or someone else? I think the Patriots would obviously be in the market, whether it's for Justin Fields or whether it's to move up if the Bears ultimately decide they want to stand with Justin Fields. They've already retained, it seems like, Matt Eberflus, the head coach, will be back in 2024. Huge changing out of the offensive coordinator and offensive coaching staff. So there will be a new brains trust there, whether that is for a new quarterback or whether that is to see if they can get more uh, an offense perhaps better designed consistently to take advantage of what Justin Fields' skill set is. We'll see. But look, the patients will be in the market one way or the other. If Justin Fields is available, um, that, I imagine that might be something they're interested in. But being that they're already at the third pick overall and could be someone like a Jade. You've got two at the top, Caleb Williams and Drake May, one or two, two or one, whichever way you have it two rookie draft, uh, rookie quarterbacks coming into this draft class that are going to get the most noise. Someone like J.D. Daniels is certainly getting talk. That could be in that top five, top three consideration. Do the Patriots look at saying, OK, look, Dustin Fields, obvious talent, obvious playmaking ability, still very much a projection, still things we're working on with. He's taken steps in mental processing and how he reads the game out, but we're still that's still a, a process. We're not close to an end product there, or we're not close to where we'd like him to be. But we're going to have to pay him, not in the next one or two years, but pretty soon after we're going to have to offer a big contract to him. Or do we just say, hey, look, we're already talking about a project quarterback. Maybe we do look at J.D. Daniels, which resets it at such a young, um, at such an early spot. You've got the full five-year control of the rookie contract and you really kind of start the clock there. But they will be in absolutely in the mix for, for one of these quarterbacks. And, and I think for Patriots fans, look, Mac Jones era went the way it went. Tom Brady is long, long gone from the franchise and now Bill Belichick, I think, as much of fresh ideas and fresh start is what you want here. And it's interesting, though, because when you talk about head coaching candidates that are being permanent there, we've got former Tennessee Titans coach Mike Rabel with his, uh, you know, he's been inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame. He speaks with immense affinity uh, for that organization. Uh, was back there doing so this season, which caused all sorts of storylines. Um, he's available, and, and there's, obviously, um, there's obviously strong ties there to Foxborough. And then uh, Gerard Mayo, who has succession plan language in his current contract that he could immediately be named um, if the Patriots selected him as the heir to Bill Belichick, his, um, the way his contract is designed, uh, he could actually, they would avoid the whole process of needing to bring in a certain amount of candidates because of the way his contract is, is lined up and the verbiage in there, he could be named uh, immediately and they could get the ball rolling uh, that quickly. But those two names seem to be the first two uh, that have altered to the front with some obvious ties Mayo already in the building as, a, as one of the defensive coaches there and a former first-round pick from the franchise. Yeah, fascinating watch, isn't it? Just one more thing on coaches, just quickly on, on Nick Saban. You know, him and Belichick are, are tight, as we know. Was it, was, it, was it a surprise for you? And, and do you reckon Alabama could be the most attractive open position in football at the moment? 
well, this isn't the Alabama that it was a few years ago, just because, you know, recruiting classes and how NIL has impacted name, image, and likeness. Um, in for those that don't know the acronym, um, in the college football world, how much that has changed the landscape there. But it's obviously a massive legacy position. It is a huge, monumental national program. It will be immensely attractive. But the other side of this is is a question that we ask a lot of the time when a huge coach, a Sir Alec Ferguson type of Man United or um, take your pick across the coast. I think um, you think of the, the, the dynasty set up by someone like Wayne Bennett. Um, I know growing up when he was running uh, with the Broncos in that year and that edition of that and um, the dominance of him. And they said, do you really want to be the guy after the guy? Who wants to come in and be the yeah. guy after Nick yeah. Saban? That is, that feels like the amount of pressure, expectation, and, all, and honestly, immediate doubt, immediate doubt that would come that could possibly meet the standard of six national titles that he brought uh, to the Alabama Crimson Tide, seven overall in his career. Um, it's uh, it's obviously a huge, huge spot. And the coaches have egos as well, right? Players have egos, coaches have egos. They will believe hmm. the best of these coaches that get approached for that role. You know they'll believe that they can do the job. Uh, but yep. we know when we have seen it is very hard to replace the man. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like batting after Brabham, playing after Hendricks. You're right. Laurie, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your intel this morning. I think I might go out and buy a Red King now. You've inspired me. It's a midlife crisis for me. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. There he is. Laurie Horish, me, SPN. Yeah, the Red King, of course, it was the one that used for the kids as 142 grammar as opposed to the 156. Interestingly, you open up around the wicket. That's something different, isn't it? Very different, but that beautiful seam. I once, I remember, I was keeping. I used to keep occasionally. And you play, we were at, oh, what was the ground... It just escapes me. It was somewhere on the northern beaches of Sydney. And I was keeping, and the ball came in, and it hit this tuft of grass, and read up, bang, just collected me right under the eye. It was a brand new Red King. And the stitches, it was literally a six-stitcher under the eye. Like the scab was the perfect mark of the six-stitcher. It looked very, very cool, I've got to say. Very, very cool. Just escaping off the ground. It's going to do my head in. 0457 736 736. Speaking of running, Michael McDonald keeps you running. is another banger. Ah, from the Forest Gump soundtrack yeah swore i wouldn't turn into my dad but they don't write songs like that anymore now you're sounding old the back in my day but then shane says just on michael mcdonald i keep forgetting and that is a great tune and that was sampled by nate dog and warren g for that classic hip-hop tune regulate and i think the story goes that warren g was walking down the street bumped he was a massive michael mcdonald fan bumped into michael mcdonald so you've got this sort of young gangster hip-hopper Grew up with Snoop Dogg. Said, oh, Michael McDonald, big fan of your work. Can we sample your song I keep forgetting? He goes, yeah, sure, no problem. Massive hip-hop tune of the 90s. So there you go. Jason from Albany Creek, good morning to you. I won a Duncan Fernley Clubman when I was 12. Had to wait three years to use it. It was too big and heavy. Awesome bat once I got to use it. Yeah, that's the thing. They're so light now. And they're already broken in. But you're right. You pick them up and they're, they're heavy. Heavy as a bloody railway sleeper. And you'd have to get linseed oil. You'd buy it separately and I'd usually use probably like a chuck scoff or something. And you'd do it and you'd let it dry and you'd sit it up so it'd really seep into the willow. And you could even have the mallet with the ball on it and bang, 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 bang. We just just light shots in the net. Just a couple of throwdowns with old balls and old balls and just hit and hit and hit. And if you didn't, it would start to kind of crack up on the edges. Great memories though. Great memories. Thank you, Jason, for your text. Thank you, everybody, for your text. Keep them coming in. 0457 736 736. Breaking back with more summer mornings. SEN Summer Mornings. An update from our Twitter poll at Matty White SEN. Who will you be supporting the upcoming 
India-England series. 79.2% are saying India. 20.8% saying England. Uh, quite some, some funny responses on Twitter. Some are saying, I'll be supporting Maria Rasmus, Jules. Others are saying, I'm supporting the washout. And this is good. They used this in wartime, didn't they? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. But who's your enemy? Simon from South McLean. Good morning to you, Simon. I hope India wins 5-0 due to the fact they still can't get over the last ashes, England. My best bat was from 1993, a £2.10 Miller Camp, or was it Miller Hall original? Had the lovely oval-shaped handle, hit some big bombs. Yeah, I mentioned my friend Cam brought one into studio. I, I could never get used to that oval handle at the bottom. The bottom hand, it, it, yeah, just it felt really weird and uncomfortable to me. I mean, it worked for others. It was a bit different, though. A bit different. Speaking of cricket bats, do you remember when the grey nickel scoop and the double scoop hit the market many years ago? Revolutionary design for the day, says Eels Mars. Well, yeah, I just gave a bit of a, a history lesson on the grey nickel scoop. And they pushed hard the advertising advertising campaigns. He had Greg Chappell, David Gow, and others presented the bat as this kind of precious artefact within an art gallery montage. A lot of colour. So after the original scoop came the twin scoops, as you mentioned. The Chappell GC Master, the Greg Chappell Master. And then the late 80s, you had the infamous Diner Drive. And that precipitated the end of the scoops reign atop the Christmas wish lists after a 15-year run of unparalleled success. But there was, if you recall, a brief early 90s renaissance when Brian Charles Lara had used a scoop to post his then-world record test score of 375. Mick Pawley, who was an institution in the Northern Beaches, true, once told me his sales in Duncan Fernley Magna was tenfold during the late 80s. The Duncan Fernley team at the time, Viv, AB, Beefy and Martin Crow. Get him on and be great. How old is uh, Mike Pawley now? I wonder, Matt. Mike, he would be a good chat too. He'd be a really good chat. Charles in charge is back in charge. He's on the mic right now. Chuckles. Hello, I'm I'm back, and I mentioned the Duncan Fernley Supreme as my weapon of choice. But there are two bats that I always wanted growing up that that I never uh, never got, and that was the Kookaburra Kahuna, the Ricky Ponting Kahuna specifically, and the other yeah, one was the Kookaburra Beast, which Mike Hussey yep. famously had. Those were two that. Remember, do you remember the my bubble? dreams? I do remember the bubble. Well, it came back yeah. out in 2014, 2015, yeah. or maybe or maybe there's some previously. Brad Haddon had like a retro one. Kookaburra made some retro retro bats. Somebody on the text line. I'm surprised we didn't get more mentions. Uh, SR Wars Gun and More, the GM Maestro, was a good one. Mm. And then Mark Orr, the Slazenger V100. A beautiful, beautiful bat. No, I was a Slazenger man because I idolised Mike Waugh. I had all the kit um, minus the bat. Just had the Duncan Fernley and all the rest of my gear was, was Slazenger gear. But you can't be this bloke in school cricket or in club cricket that wears matching gear because you just look like a tosser. No, all, all the just gear and no idea. You look like you're better than you think you are. Mm, That's right. Exactly. Still I, got a, I think I've still got the thigh pad that I nicked from my club too. <laughs> RDCC written on the side. Yeah, I, I stole a lot of batting gloves uh, from, from the kit bag at the end of seasons. But uh, we've got to do this, uh, Jules, the health and fitness segment thanks to Fast Fuel Meals, healthy meals, ready fast and enjoy quality food that tastes great and saves you time. And I'm a customer. I'm, I actually can attest to these. They're delicious. I had some really nice crumb chicken and I think mm. roasted potatoes for mine after after a gym You're session. You're looking great too, Charles, by Thank the way. you. I know. I, I you've, had a, kept, you've kept in good nick over this Christmas period. I know. It was, most it, people don't, do you? It was a pretty bad, silly season, but I did kind of keep myself in check. And the way I did that was I've been going to the beach a lot over the summer, which I typically didn't normally do. I normally go to Centennial Park or go for a run or, or a bike ride, but... Uh, I've been going to the, going to the beach. I've been going to Marnie Pool actually in in Maroubra, mm. or, or Marne Pool, so, sorry, in in Maroubra. and and my health and fitness tip is 
if you're going to go to the pool, if you're going to go to the beach or, or wherever you're going to go to sort of escape the, the mugginess and the heat, especially here in Sydney over the summer, I reckon put the phone away, uh, put your AirPods away, put the speaker away, grab a nice book. I, I've been reading a couple of books over the summer. I've, I've reread uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which is my all-time favorite book. Okay. And I've started you reading... You read um, reread Spot Goes to the Park as well, I thought you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I, I reread right. that I reread that as well. I've also started reading um, Matthew Perry's biography, which I got for um, for Christmas uh, over the break, uh, okay. reading that, which has been yeah. a, a little bit bittersweet. But that, that's my recommendation. I, I don't think it's healthy when I see people scrolling their phones when they're tan and stuff like that. You're outside. You're at the beach. Get some vitamin D. Just, just put it away. Grab a nice book or just... Honestly, just look look at the views. Look at the waves uh, crashing in and out. It's very therapeutic uh, for me. That's a great idea. There's a couple of things there. You know, swimming, which is wonderful exercise, takes a bit of pressure off your joints. Yes. A slip, slop, slap, sun safety, because I, you know, I talked about self-administering um, sunscreen the other day, and I missed a spot, so the back of my arms are very, very important because it's an uncomfortable sleep. And the digital detox is a really good reminder. You know, just step away from your phone, especially when you go to the beach. You don't miss it. That's a thing. Mm. You don't miss it. And it's a couple of less things you have to carry as well. It's sort of nice to go back to a time where you're worried about less. So that's a good point too. So thank you for that, Charles. You're welcome, Jules. Okay. Oh, I have that album. It's great, says Peter Rabbit. Oh, you're talking about Christopher Cross's album. Um, yeah, was, uh, let's have a look at these bangers again. Ride Like the Wind, Never Be the Same. Say You'll Be Mine. Sailing. Cracking tune. Cracking tune. But yeah, Christopher Cross, the only artist in Grammy history to win all the general four categories in one night. Album, record, song of the year, best new artist. Beauty. Banger. Game, set, match. Thank you very much. Now, Mike Pauly apparently is in his 70s. He would be a good chat. That's not the worst idea. We'll see if we can't get him on at some point. Uh, thank you for that recommendation. Uh, Walnut says, uh, I can remember a bat called the Impala. Had no shoulders that look weird. Yes, I do recall the Impala. Had an Excalibur mat made by Lance Cairns. No shoulders on the bat. Have you seen the prices of bats lately? Bryce, from Yapoon, it is absurd. I ducked into Kingsgrove Sports the other week. My goodness. 500 bucks plus for a cricket bat. So every time I think about getting back into the cricket, first you've got to sell it to your wife that you're going to be out for an entire Saturday and then you know have a couple of beers with the boys afterwards. Paying to stand in the hot sun. But then I'd have to upgrade my kit. How do I justify spending 500 bucks on a bat, which I may not use that often? How do you get that past the Minister for War and Finance? It's quite the question. My favourite bat I had was a Lance Cairns shoulderless Excalibur. And worst, the Dennis Lilly aluminium. Did you have the aluminium bat, as a? It made that real sort of pinging noise, didn't it, when you hit? Adam, thank you for this. You can buy heaps of retro stickers online. I'm going to strip all my bats and go old school. <laughs> I love it. A lot of them do that, though. So Gavin Robertson talked about the, the 98 tour to India. And a lot of the players would go to these bat factories and pick up these bats and they just, these are magnificent. But they had sponsors at the time, so they basically just rip off the stickers and whack their sponsor stickers on their bats so they weren't the original bats provided by their sponsors. They're effectively just billboards now. 